Hello, I'm Miles Free, and welcome to PMPA Speaking of Suppliers podcast. I'm here with Jack Horner, Quality Manager at Veland Chase, and Alex El Mario, Marketing Manager at Veland Chase. Welcome, Jack. Welcome, Alex. Good afternoon, Miles. So PMPA has really had a strong history of support from Veland Chase and Chase before that. Your membership in PMPA actually commenced in 1975. That's 48 years ago. What were you doing 48 years ago, Jack? Let's see. I was probably a snotty-nosed sixth grader in an elementary school in Northwest Ohio. And how did brass impact your lives back then? Well, I know I drank it out of a garden hose, so yeah, <laughs> and I'm still alive today. <laughs> still alive. It was on the chrome plated, but on the on the faucets. We called them faucets, right? Yeah. On the bathtub in the sink, and maybe you used a cup, and maybe you didn't. Depended sometimes. Those those were the days. So, uh, Vilan Chase has, like I said, a long history of support and sponsorship of PMPA. What does PMPA bring to Chase that makes it uh, worth the, the time and talent of all your people? Because uh, you, your company has really been strong and involved and engaged. Well, Miles, what it does, at least from my perspective, is it, it allows us to be in conversation with our customers, you know, where the rubber meets the road for them. So we can get an understanding of what's going on in, in you know, in the machining industry, that we can stay close to, to the vest as to how can we continue to help them and and continue to make our product work for them. Well, your, your product certainly does work for them. And when I think of your product, I just, I just, you know, go to taxonomy of, you know, you have standard brass, you have leaded brass, you have low lead brass, you have no lead brass, you have no lead bronze. I think you have forgings, you have products in both broads and bars. I mean, that's a really broad portfolio, even if it is restricted to uh, a few very uh, important grades. You know, this facility was built in 1965 to make 360 brass, you know, the most machinable brass there is known to man. 100% machinability. As a steel a guy, standard. I hated you. <laughs> it's the standard. And, you know, the, this facility, that's the only alloy we produced up until the late 90s when we added the second foundry, where, where we started to expand our alloy family from 360 into some of the other leaded leaded brass family, the, uh, the thread rolling alloys, and then forging alloy, uh, Munts metal type material, and then eventually into uh, low lead and, and lead free product. And I think Miles, you also asked about the difference between rod and bar. And I know at least from our perspective, when you consider a rod, that would be a round, a standard hex, rounded corner hex, or oct octagonal shape. Um, a bar would be considered a square, a rectangle, or an industrial, special industrial shape. Really? It's a near net shape. Really? That's, uh, that's interesting to me because I thought it would have been based on diameter and whether it came out in coils or cut lengths. Very interesting. 
the ASTM standards I've I've dealt with over the years with our materials. That's I, that I believe that's right in the uh, standard, the the brass standards. Well, perfect. You just taught an old metallurgist something new about a new market. So yay. So recycling is really important with your materials, and your company has always been a leader in recycling, just based on economics. Uh, what's changed lately? Well, really, the the recycling aspect, um, you know, that really is our is our forte. You know, this mill was designed to, you know, it was a mini mill with a mini mill concept, and you know, to run on scrap. And we still enjoy, even though the the materials may have shifted more to a, a lead free product, we still enjoy, you know, sixty percent of what we sell in solid. Uh, stock coming back to us in the form of scrap and turnings and you know that's what really makes us efficient in melting that makes us efficient in in meeting our chemistry specifications so you know as you as you think about sustainability as we've moved into the 21st century i know veland is a is a corporation has really embraced that and we're already we're already ahead of the game you know by doing that yeah that that it's really been built into the process and uh I think that, you know, human safety critical is one thing, sustainability is another. Efficiency has to be right up there, too, because we can't have the things that give us great quality of life if we can't make them efficiently. But it's not great quality of life if it's not safe and it's not sustainable. So, uh, you know, really, that's that's an important hat trick to have for corporate values. So. As a steel guy, you know, I've always had this, I won't say rivalry, but I've had to compete against brass and, and, and copper-based products. And so I always, you know, one would purchase a steel product for an application based on mechanical properties first. If it doesn't have the right yield to tensile ratio or the right hardness, it's not going to be selected. But... Uh, Mechanical properties is really the second reason to select a brass product. You want to share with our audience what's the first? The first would be, in our case, you know, especially for the leaded brasses, the lead, the lead content in that in that microstructure to to allow you to machine at high speeds with high feeds and you know get the nice fine chips. So chemistry, chemistry's first, and even if we've moved into the lead-free product, it still continues to be chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I absolutely understand fabricability is, is key, but uh, I'm thinking nobody's going to use steel on a, on something for water. <laughs> so well, that's true. <laughs> this, you know, the design engineer first says this can't corrode. Right. And, uh, and then the machinability, obviously that's what uh, wins the, or loses the job for the shop making the component. Some of your alloys are actually sold to physical properties, right? Like electrical conductivity or, you know, uh, more physical rather than mechanical, right? Thermal conductivity. That is true. Yeah. Do you get involved in a lot of that or is it just some engineer just says use this and then everybody just figures out how to make it happen? It's, it's, it's a combination of both. I know that. You know, from a from a processing standpoint, you know, we 
you know, and that's one of the things as we've developed products over the years, especially in our in our in our lead free product. You know, looking at corrosion testing, you know, as it is over 50% of our of our volume goes into to household applications, primarily plumbing, and you know, so that's a that's a big, obviously a big portion and, and very important to us to maintain that. So corrosion testing, um, you know, and that's become critical with our lead-free product, which because of its chemistry content, you know, is is desinkification resistant. And, um, you know, the, the adage of having, you know, anything over 20% zinc, you know, oh, well, no, we can't use that. You know, it'll, it'll desinkify, and, that, and that's not the case. Even with our leaded brasses, somewhat, if the proper application, it, it's fine. Um, there are things you can do to help with desinkification resistance. So, right, and and that's important. So our listeners, you know, it, it it's not really red metal; it's yellow metal. But but brass is a combination. It's an alloy of copper and zinc, up to thirty five percent zinc. Is that right? That is correct. And then bronze is copper and tin. And so desinkification isn't an issue with bronze, but clearly at 35 weight percent, uh, you want to know where that goes because if you're losing mass, well, you're losing functionality. Not good for behind the wall, let's put it that way. Um. <laughs> exactly right. So we mentioned chemistry. We talked about zinc. We've talked about copper. We've talked about you know the properties it brings, whether it's corrosion resistance, um, the uh, thermal conductivity and that, uh, there's some other elements that people should be familiar with as being in the, in the zoo there in, in, in the brass cert. So, uh, tell us a little bit about bismuth and why that would be in a material and maybe why it wouldn't be. Well, one of the things that when, you know, lead, lead's bad for us, you know, you, you know, they took they took lead out of gasoline in the 70s. They took it out of paint. You know, and the purpose of the leads, you know, is for you know, for painting, for example, you know, to smooth smoothly go on the wall and and lubrication in your engine with the gas. Well, it's the same in the brass and and with the lead legislation that has come out. You know, you know, starting in the early 90s through the 90s into the early 2000s. You know. As you look at the periodic table, bismuth is sort of a natural. Okay, if it's not lead, let let's try bismuth. And bismuth will bismuth will work. The shortcoming with bismuth is that it it's you can't hot work it. You know you run into cracking issues if you try to hot work it. So, so Mr. Joe Plummer, he's out there soldering a you know a a, a PEX fitting or a fitting that's made out of bismuth, and you know it's susceptible to crack and. You know that leads to the that leads to different issues too. So, so that's the the downside of bismuth is that you can't you can't hot work it in it, and it's a more expensive proposition for addition to to make it machinable. I'll tell you, I earned my stripes when the uh, steel industry tried to move from lead to bismuth treated steels. The yield losses on the mill. I mean, there were a lot of people that lost bonuses because they were not getting what they expected tonnage off because it didn't hot work. And at the same time, um, if you try and braze it, like for parts that require brazing assembly, think 
parts for maybe a fire extinguisher or pressure component. Um, that that embrittlement phenomenon from bismuth was that was a factor as well. They had to have special techniques to to make that assembly work. So um, I can understand that, but it was certainly a logical choice and a step on the way to where where we are today. What about arsenic? That sounds toxic. Well, in our case, uh, we we have stayed away from arsenic only because of the environmental uh, H&S applications or, or, you know, causes that arsenic can, can lead to. Um, arsenic does assist with um, corrosion resistance. I know, and, you know, as we started to look at you know, the lower leads, and there's an actual, an alloy family, the, the 353 alloy, which is a thread rolling alley. It's utilized quite, you know, heavily in our industry here in the, in the, in the U.S., but in Europe, they, they took that alloy and added arsenic to it to give it a little bit extra uh, corrosion resistance. Um, so we, we really don't, you know, with, with our, with our lead-free product, you know, it, it, it does quite well and, and it doesn't contain arsenic. So that's, that's really the big thing there. I, you know, a little arsenic doesn't hurt anything, but from an environmental health and safety standpoint, we've stayed away from that. Right. So, uh, scrap, you know, your industry, 60%, you said 60%, uh, scrap returns, obviously recycling's important. Um, so, having a clean, consistent scrap stream returned to you is obviously important. Uh, you sure wouldn't want to get any stainless steel chips in there, I don't think. Occasionally they try to try to send that, but one of the things that we do here is in our incoming inspection process, we sample each, every load. And, you know, just to, to confirm that, number one, it's, it's, it's free of impurities. You know, and when I say, you know, a free impurity, quote unquote, you know, things like aluminum, steels, um, anything like that. We also test it for, we actually have a, a rotocaster in the lab where we'll, we'll melt turnings and actually cross-check the chemistry to, so that we're checking to make sure they haven't mixed bronze alloy in. Because a lot of our customers, not only are they just using, you know, brass, they may be buying some some bronze alloy for applications, castings and such. And you know, to the to the guy cleaning up on the shop floor, it, if it's red color, it's copper. It can all go in the in the same hopper, and that's you know we test for that. Yeah, so you're gonna you're gonna make a cast a solid slug, and then you're gonna use that on a direct reading spectrometer. Correct. And you're gonna get you're you're gonna know you're gonna know who is kissing whose cousin. Correct. You don't, you know, I, I call it the, uh, um, every once in a while I got to send a dear Jack letter to a customer just to let them know that, Hey, we found this in your scrap and, and, uh, here's your warning and, uh, and go from there. But, but especially, and we do, we do a, a really good job on, on free market loads coming in, uh, just because you want to make sure that, um, you're not getting something that that's not usable, you know, cause the days are gone when, you know, when we used to have a few million pounds of scrap just lying around, just dying to be melted. And, you know, so we're counting on that scrap that's hitting the door to, to be able to be used and, and to make good product going back out. Well, and, and you know, today's world, it's about uh, 100% on time and, and zero defects. And, boy, I can't imagine if I've got lead in, non, in my non-leaded material, right? Or I've got non-leaded 
material contaminating my leaded scrap, I'm sure that's going to affect my machinability. Correct. Every customer that, that buys our non-leaded product, we check them just like they're a free market load just for that reason. And if it's a customer that uses both, we check their loads prior to un, uh, to sending the scrap to the foundries just to make sure it isn't cross-contaminated. So when we talk about cross-contaminated, you know, uh, we just came through two years of crazy, crazy adjustments because of COVID. People panicking about this, panicking about that, and and all kinds of really extreme measures and some cases that were relevant and some cases have you know, been proven the skepticism was right. So what are we talking about when we say contaminated? Are we talking about, you know, a, a pound, a couple pounds in a truckload? I mean, what's it take to poison a load? Rule of thumb is that it, it takes about 200 pounds of, of our lead-free product, uh, the EcoBrass 693, 200 pounds to be mixed in a 40,000 pound load of 360 turnings to cause the silicon to go over our, our limit for um, in the 360. So that's about half a stock up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And it's even tighter when you go the other way. It only takes, you know, less than 100 pounds of 360 leaded scrap to be mixed in the uh, EcoBrass 693 to, to cause the lead to go out of spec over the 0.8% max. That's too... Two bars is the right size. Yeah, some sizes. It's less than one if if it's big stuff. So, yeah, that's that's really important. So our listeners really need to understand that they need to be really strict constructionists on scrap and alloy identification and segregation in their operations. If I remember right, Miles, I think that was my last slide in the uh, presentation I gave at the uh, uh, at the uh, show. I think it was the meet set of meetings in in Milwaukee a year ago. Ab- absolutely, I mean it's, it. You can't say it often enough because a hundred pounds, and you've just turned that sixty percent return into really, really from dollars into pennies if you can find some place to peddle it. That's the nice thing too, you know, our customers have, have, you know, we were up front early on when we started the, the no lead process, you know, back in the late, you know, 2006 timeframe, 2007, and you emphasizing the importance and there's a value there. They recognize that value. And so, you know, I guess I should knock on wood, but you know, we have very little problem from our customer base on that because they have, they have done the right thing. Well, you know, what's what's really been interesting to me is as we've seen all this supply chain hysteria in the news, all the talking heads in the media and, and the ports are shut down and everything. And yet you've established a North American closed loop supply chain where your customers are your supply chain. You are your customer's supply chain. Everybody stays on the rails and everybody's Nobody's screaming about they can't get material. How are you guys doing on deliveries? What's that been like for the past year? I believe our on-time delivery, Alex, if you correct me if I'm wrong, is over 99%. And that's based on, that's based on our, you know, when we are, when we are due to ship the product out of our door. Right. Um, You know, especially this time of the year, you know, last Friday we had a snowstorm come in from, 
You know, I drove five miles south of the plant Friday night. There wasn't any snow. You know, here in five miles north, there was five inches of snow. And, you know, things can happen in transit. So we base our on-time delivery based on, you know, when we're due to ship it. And I believe our numbers, you know, our, our most recent number for the month of January, we were over we were over 99% and have historically been at those levels. And, you know, when COVID, coming out of COVID, everyone's, you know, you know, everybody wanted that piece of paper that said they were an essential business and being, you know, us in the metals industry, we were able to get that. And, you know, we couldn't get product out our door fast enough. And, you know, our, our on time dropped down into the mid nineties, but, you know, for the most part, we've been 98, 99%. Yeah. That's, that's really, uh, envi- enviable delivery metric. And again, it's, it just shows what a good job I, at PMPA, we say better together, but you guys are living it with the, you know, the symbiotic relationship between the customers and suppliers, uh, between yourself and your customers and the returns. That's, that's really important. So how was the transition to low lead and then no lead? Uh, how has that played out in, in your experience? Uh, what were some of the lessons you've learned what would you tell to people who have been solidly in the 100% 360 camp and now are finding a lot more no quotes in their pile because the uh, low lead or no lead is starting to become uh, more desired in the market? Well, one of the things we learned early on, uh, you know, from a manufacturing standpoint, we had added this new foundry in, in the year 2000, really geared up to, you know, to make more more leaded brass, you know, fast forward five years. And it's like, boy, that was not a bad decision. And the fact that we can make a quick conversion and go from a leaded brass to a lead free product and be able to, to make it with little to, you know, a little bit of transition alloy, you know, so, so we were set up to do that. But the biggest thing that, and we had to go through the same learning curve is it casts differently. It, it, it processes differently through the facility it um it machines differently you know helping with our customers i know we have had over the years a, a, a couple different people that came and actually had their own screw machine houses you know actually work with us to to help develop you know speeds and feeds for for our lead free product and to try to help customers get up to speed because it's it is a different animal it's it's like you know it's like machining stainless miles and and it can be done you know, that would be my encouraging word that is don't give up, you know, with some changes, you know, maybe some, some angles and some speeds and, you know, feed rates, you know, you can do it. It can be done. Well, I, I'm, I'm sure you can, but you can't do it with, uh, it's not forgiving. <laughs> it's not forgiving. The 360, 100% yay that we all, you know, learn to learn to make. I can remember my son is in the, in our trade and he'd been, he'd started at a shop and he'd been working for a couple weeks and he was just doing great. And one day he come home and he, he actually said, damn, you're steel. And I'm like, where did this come from? Well, <laughs> he got his first non-leaded steel job after running 360 brass for four weeks. And, uh, he had to learn a bit more about the craft. So, uh, I always smile when I think of his his experience with that. But a lot of shops, 
could put off maintenance because the material just gave way to the tool, right? That's that's not the case with these newer grades. That is correct. You know, we have a lot of our customers, you know, the beauty of, of leaded brass is, and in our industry, especially plumbing, is instead of cutting the threads, you roll the threads. And, you know, that's been our biggest challenge with, with our lead-free product. And even somewhat our, our low lead product is, is, well, I can't thread roll it. It doesn't want to thread roll. And you have to look outside the box a little bit and, and think of, well, maybe you whirl the threads. And as technology catches up, I know that, you know, other PMPA members have, have continued to, to work on that. And I know we've, we've made some strides there, but, but it is different. And, and you're right, it's not as forgiving. And that's where we try to partner with, with our customers and try to help them through that process. Um, you know, get them, get them contacts, get them information, try to get into their shops and try to, try to help out as best we can. You know, I think, I think Alex, it would be our, you know, it's the, it's the, you know, we want to be the value proposition. We want to try to help our customers be successful. They're successful. We're successful. So. Well, they're also your supplier. <laughs> so that's uh, it, it truly is a, a rising tide races, races all boats for, for everybody in the ecosystem. Um, offhand, what would you say the approach you, you compared it to stainless? I, used to compare it to 1215, moving to 1215. Uh, offhand, what are some, I don't even want to say rules of thumb, but what are some directions to consider? Uh, reduce the speed, increase the feed, more hook, less hook. What, what, just in general terms, when someone's looking at one of these new low lead materials in, uh, in brass or bronze, what, uh, what, what should they have on their list of things to try first? Well, you mentioned it first and foremost, you know, lower the RPMs, increase the feed rate. That's the, that's the biggest thing that, you know, if you look at some of the presentations and there may even be a presentation on our website that, you know, that's, that's rule number one, uh, you know, changing the, you know, go to a more of a positive rake angle. Uh, if you're drilling, you know, use flow through drills, um, things like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to cut it. We're not, <laughs> we're going to cut it, not rub it off, not weld it. Right. Um, we've talked a lot about brass. How big is the eco bronze product to Vlin Chase? The eco bronze product is, is what we classify as our, is our ingot type material. That's really geared more toward the, the small, small cast shops out there that are going to cast parts big in the water water flow like meter meter bodies valve bodies big bigger stuff right yes uh which is primarily you know years gone by we drank a lot of gallons of water out of our, our faucets that over the years that you know those are five six seven percent leaded castings out there at the street and, yep. and you so obviously the um you know our eco bronze has a great fit in that in that realm to the point where we've worked in with AWWA and, and actually had some of that certified to be, to be used in that, in that product line and um, have actually started to, to market what we call easy melt and uh, to be used specifically for that reason. The uh, easy melt that that's, that is the, the bronze, that is the bronze, but that's for the casting itself. But you, you, 
you do shapes Correct. in bronze, it's, right? Uh, rounds, hexes. Well, we do. We, you know, and I guess you could consider. And there's the there's the the argument out there that well, eco brass is which is known as that's our rod product in in the lead free. Yeah, you can look at the chemistry and call it a bronze, even though it is called a brass. Um, yes, we do that in round shapes, um, industrial shapes. Uh, we go up to, I believe, our largest size is two and a half inch round, and then, and then we go down to, I think it's five sixteenths round. Uh, so yes, we we are making that, and that's that's our second highest volume alloy. So, you know, when I started here in 1997, it was. You know, as we spoke earlier, it was all leaded brass, 360. And, you know, today that's obviously not the case. So of the 10 different alloys, are, are 360 is still the Cadillac, but but our eco brass, our lead-free product is right behind, you know, it's growing and is our number two alloy. You know, one of the things that I don't think gets enough attention in manufacturing is the quality of the relationships we build. We, a lot of people... I think think that you go to manufacturing for a, a lousy job but a high wage, and they're mistaken because we have great careers. Uh, we're making things that make a difference, but we have great relationships too. I mean, you have great relationships with your customers. You've been on the job since the '90s. I mean, you're still working with these people, right? I, I, I think people overlook the the satisfaction from from having positive relationships with with our customers with our coworkers and and, and you know I, it just it seems to me we overlook that well one of the things that that has happened and I know PMPA is big at trying to you know to reach out and you know because you mentioned it the fact that you know someone coming out of school today you know, they don't want to get their hands dirty. They don't want to work, you know, manufacturing is a, you know, has been given a bad name and that's not the case at all. I know we, you know, PMPA hosts, you know, when we have the PMTS here coming up, you know, in April, you know, there'll be, there'll be vocational groups bringing kids through and, and it's important that we expose ourselves. I know that we here in our little tiny corner of Northwest Ohio, we've reached out to, we have a local community college and, you know, we have a partnership with them. We've got a, a couple of the high schools, you know, bring in, bring through your, um, uh, bring through your technical, you know, classes. I know we have a local school that they have a robotics, heavily robotics class and, you know, we hosted a group of them here in the fall. We're hosting another group here coming up in a couple of weeks and just give them, you know, show them that it's heavy manufacturing, but, you know, we're looking to invest. We're, we're looking at new technology and, and the use of robots is, is, is not out of the realm. It's not out of the question. And, and I know that, you know, our facility is unique in the fact that, you know, it's a, we do have a lot of, of automation. You don't have a lot of manual movement of metal and we're continuing to look at ways to, to grow that. And, and that gets, that gets young people excited to be able to do that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, people want people and especially young people that they, they want to do work that matters and they, they aren't interested in performing tasks. And so when you have that blend of great technology and, and knowing that, you know, there'd be no, no oxygen lines in hospitals without brass, right? Mm -hmm. You know, there's, um, 
you know, our plumbing, I, I don't want to go to a cast iron pump out, out in the back and Lord knows what's in the groundwater. You know, quality of life is important. And that's really what we manufacture. We, we sell products, but we manufacture quality of life. And, uh, you know, they don't call it your product, Dr. Copper, for nothing, because your product is, in fact, an indicator of our economic success. Well, you know, it's it, you take, you know, when you walk into a store, and, and, and this this happened to me right after I started here, um, my wife and I were shopping at the, at the local, you know, it was either Menards or Lowe's, one of the two, and and we just happened to walk down the faucet aisle. Well, let's go look at faucets. And, and we had neighbors, you know, and we just moved to the town we lived in. And they were standing there looking at faucets and they were looking at a plastic import faucet. And I took the time and said, whoa, 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 you don't want this. You want to pay a little bit more money, but you want to get better quality. You want something that's solid, that's made by, you know, it has metal components to it that are made right here. You know, my company happens to participate in that industry and, you know, because there is a sense of pride and, and the sense of quality and, uh, um, you know, to, to build that amongst, you know, obviously we have that in a, in our P PMPA organization, we get it, but it's, it's the people that are, you know, looking at price and, and considering that first, we've got to, we got to get back to, yeah, there's it's price, but it's also quality. And, you know, we, you know, we, we strive to make a quality product here to provide to our, PMPA members to so that they can produce their parts because like I said it earlier they're successful we're successful well this whole experiment on global sourcing has you know it's perfectly suited for a world in which there are no tsunamis pandemics earthquakes blizzards uh, it just it's it's false it's false economy it wasn't sustainable now we see it nearshoring. Uh, to be honest, I I think of it as you know economic patriotism, and there is, if there's no quality, it doesn't matter how cheap the price is. <laughs> if it doesn't function, that's waste. And so I absolutely agree with you that uh, value is really the the determinant, and there is a value to supporting our friends and neighbors, supporting our suppliers and supporting our customers who return their material back to us. I mean, it's, we're all, all in this. I remember the first time I saw the picture of the earth from the moon. And I thought all of humanity is in this picture, except for three people. <laughs> <laughs> and that's really kind of colored my thinking, you know, as grew up in the space age and, and we are all on this little ball together. So why don't we want to work cooperatively and collaboratively? Is there anything that I missed that I should have asked Jack or Alex? Is there anything I should have asked you about that I failed to ask? You know, Miles, from my standpoint, um, like, you know, I certainly missed some of it due to technical difficulties and whatnot. You know, I did want to touch base you know, regarding, I think maybe one of the questions, um, you know, we were, we were looking at beforehand is how does Beal and Chase, you know, how do they best serve or help solve challenges for, you know, the folks at PMPA, right? Absolutely. And so I think, uh, you know, from my standpoint, I, I think, you know, Jack certainly talked about the 
uh, the history of Chase, you know, how we, you know, stem from Waterbury, Connecticut in 1837. We built our facility in Montpelier in 1965, you know, designed to essentially produce 50 million pounds of alloy 360. And, you know, you fast forward down to the 2000s, we wrapped the mill around a mill to give us alloy flexibility, increase our capacity to 300 million pounds. And, you know, in 2019, we became part of the Velen Group. You know, we were acquired by this large entity that had such a big footprint worldwide. And it's really been a great marriage because, you know, our values aligned. And now you're looking at 2023 post-pandemic. And really, you know, we what we look at at Chase is our continual evolution as a supplier um, to our customers and the folks of PMPA. You know, we produce 10 alloys at the mill. Uh, and we're constantly, you know, constantly working with our customers to try and find solutions to the opportunities and challenges that face their business. So, you know, you look at 10 alloys from rounds to hexes to industrial shapes. Now we have access to, you know, what we call specialty products, which encompasses additional alloys and shapes, including small diameter rod that we can provide our customers uh, that we don't necessarily make here in Montpelier. Mm -hmm. We do have our forge works division where we provide high speed forgings for the industry. And, uh, you know, we touched on it a little bit before where we have our easy mount product, which is a unique granular ingot uh, that we supply to other foundries uh, with our lead free uh, 87850, right? So to, to be able to utilize in their castings. And I think that uh, one thing that I would say about Chase is just our continual uh, efforts to not only improve from an efficiency standpoint, which you touched on uh, really well earlier, but you know, really just our um, ability to think outside the box and look forward into the future with with various forms, whether it's you know additional capabilities here or you know use our resources that we have in front of us to help our customers with solutions. Well, that's very important, Alex. And I carry a challenge coin around in my pocket. And it, sadly, mine's still in my left-hand pocket, which means I didn't move it to my right pocket. But this challenge coin is about continuous improvement. And I think that the Chase Veland story is about continuous improvement. And I think the success of our relationship with PMPA has been that when the market said... <laughs> whoa, slow down on the lead, um, our industry and your company uh, helped find a way to get to where the market needed to be for the sustainability challenges and the human safety challenges. So uh, absolutely agree. It's, it's kind of, I think we take it for granted that things always get better in manufacturing. And uh, a, a lot of people, I think, Air in assigning that to the technology, but it's really the decisions made by management to go a better way to, to forego the easy, well, we'll just wait until they make it a law, but to get started early and, and develop a solution and, and to help people that are dealing with this stuff to, to find a solution. That's, that's really why your company has 48 years of success with PMPA members. Well, and I know the other the other key thing to take away from the Velen, you know, partnership or ownership is the fact that, you know, they they're a German company, they're privately held, and you know they believe in investing in their in their organization, and you know they've not been shy about letting us, you know, bring opportunities before them and and giving us 
you know, the go ahead to move forward on that. You know, one of one of our challenges, in a, you know, is is our customers continue to in, implement, you know, in, embrace technology with with automatic bar feeders and CNC quick changeover. You know, one of our challenges continues to be, you know, rod straightness. And you know, I get a, I get an inquiry regularly, you know, new inquiry, hey, we're buying this new machine. We need, you know, we need the the steel straightness requirement, you know, coming out of Europe, uh, 006 per foot. And then that's like ASTM allows brass to be a quarter inch. And, you know, so there's a, there's a large gap there. And you know, so one of our challenges that, that we're looking to close the gap on is, is what new technology is out there. We actually are in the process of installing a, a finishing line that you know, we'll have straightness detection on it, you know, to try to help us at least detect it so that now we can, can drive back, you know, to find ways to improve it. And, and, you know, so again, that continual improvement piece is, is, is key, you know, as, as we continue, you know, to move forward and, and looking at technology to help us get there. Yeah, it's solvable. If, if, as long as we ask the right questions and collect the right data, Eventually, smart people can, can figure out a solution. And, you know, thank goodness for the Germans. They're not looking at quarterly, that quarterly cadence like some of our American Wall Street companies are. What are earnings? What are earnings? What are earnings? What are earnings? Sometimes you've got to invest. I mean, look what Jeff Bezos did with Amazon. He didn't give a hoot about earnings for a long time. And look what he built. So absolutely uh, hats off for the longer term thinking that Feedland has brought to your business. That wraps up our podcast today with Feedland Chase. Alex and Jack, thank you for joining us. More than welcome, Miles. Thanks, Miles. Look forward to seeing you here in a few weeks. I'm looking forward to catching up with you guys in Cleveland as well. It'll be a great show. Thanks so much. That's a wrap.